Hey everybody, welcome back to another week as we go through the book of Acts together. And last time we ended a little bit into chapter 16, when Paul and his group wanted to go into Bithynia and Troas, and then Paul has this vision of a Macedonian man calling for help, asking them to come over to Macedonia. And so they did. And we pick up in chapter 16, verse 11, where they stale out from Troas and they end up in the city of Philippi. It says in verse 12, a Roman colony and the leading city of the district of Macedonia, where they stayed for several days. And their time in Philippi is really marked as Paul and Silas and this group uh, encounters three kind of main people in this chapter, Lydia, uh, a slave girl, and a jailer. Uh, In verse 13, it says, on the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke with the women gathered there. A God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. And in verse 15, it says, After she and her her household were baptized, she urged us, If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. God worked in her life. She comes a believer with her whole household. They're baptized. And just like Peter with Cornelius, Paul and Silas and the group, they're welcomed into Lydia's house. And then verse 16 talks about another time where they were on their way to prayer. It says, Once as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you a way of salvation are servants of the Most High God. And she did this for many days. What a crazy situation that would have been. And in that moment, Paul and Silas and their group, they could have been like, well, yeah, she is telling the truth. But in verse 18, it says, Paul was greatly annoyed. Turning to the spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. And another translation for that word annoyed uh, is greatly troubled. Paul was greatly troubled. And this miracle happens and the demon is cast out in Jesus' name. And it's an interesting story. And you kind of wonder, why did Paul get so annoyed? Why did, why did he get so troubled? Right? Is he just annoyed that she's following them around? Yeah, maybe. That would be annoying if she was just following them around, crying out for a couple days. He could also have been disturbed because, or troubled because she's being used. The owners of this slave girl, they're using her for profit. They're using her to make money. She tells fortunes, and they're benefiting from it. And when I was reading about this, another reason could have been because what she's saying is true. And maybe her masters could have said, see, she's accurate. These guys are actually saying that they're servants of the Most High God. In some weird way, this gives her and them more credibility in the fortune-telling world. And potentially... This would turn away people from the gospel. It wouldn't be about the truth that Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke are bringing, but they could say, see, we're able to tell the future. What are these guys able to do? So the spirit is cast out. And in verse 19, it says, when her owners realized that the hope of their prophet was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, These men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews, 
and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. So in the end, they're brought to trial. And, and similar to Stephen, the crowd leads the way. It says in verse 22, the crowd joined the attack against them and the chief magistrates stripped them of their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. And so they don't really get a fair trial at all. And they're beaten and flogged and thrown into prison. And this sets up the third part of this story centering around the jailer. Verse 25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a violent earthquake, and the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself for he, since he thought the prisoners had escaped. God frees Paul and Silas and the other prisoners, and instead of running and getting out of there, they stay put. And the jailer is ready to kill himself, and it's similar to when Peter was freed. And after Peter had escaped from prison, in chapter 12, verse 19, it said, And Herod had searched for them and did not find him. He interrogated the guards and ordered their execution. And so this was a common practice. And the jailer's like, listen, these guys are all gone. I might as well just get it over with because I'm probably going to be executed. But to his surprise, Paul and the other prisoners are still there. It says the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? In that moment, Paul and Silas weren't worried about how they're going to get out of prison or, hey, they have an opportunity, so let's take it. They knew that they were in prison for a reason. And as we read this story, we can see that it was for the jailer and his household. And they answered the jailer in verse 31, and they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, and you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And right away, he and all his family were baptized. And he brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. In that moment of unfair persecution, in really an unlikely place, the gospel moves forward. And the next day, the chief magistrate sent the police to say, release the men. And the jailer said that, hey, you're free to go. And it says, after leaving the jail, they came to Lydia's house where they saw and encouraged the brothers and sisters. And then they departed. And it's really the beginning of the church in Philippi. These new believers were probably part of the foundation of the church that grows there. And knowing this, it makes Paul's message in the book of Philippians and gives more context. In Philippians 4.3, he says, Yes, also I ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel on my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers who are names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. L the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Who are these women that he's talking about? Maybe it's some of the women that they were talking to when Lydia was there and overheard and eventually believed. And in Philippians 2, 3, when he says, 
Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. When they read this, maybe they're thinking, yeah, like, like when Paul and Silas were in the jail and they could have left. It would have been to their own interest. It would have been better for them if they would have just left. But they stayed and they were thinking about the jailer. Don't kill yourself. And end up, the gospel went forward and, and reached him and his household. And they all believed. And these three different stories of God working in Acts chapter 16, they all start with prayer. Prayer was a part of the equation in Paul and Silas's life and ministry. And as we go about our lives, and as we do ministry in the places that God's called us, are we praying? And as we cross paths with people, and we feel like God's telling us to act, are we stepping out to help? Are we engaging in the story of others? And as we do, there's this constant reminder as we read these verses that we shouldn't be surprised if there's a resistance. And Paul and Silas weren't surprised. And when it came, they didn't take the easy way out, but they kept trusting and looking for the bigger things that they knew that God was doing. And they didn't give up, and they stayed faithful, and they believed that the gospel was advancing, the kingdom of God was advancing, even in the hard, even when they couldn't see it clearly. They trusted that that God was doing something. And as we read these verses, we can see those connections being made. How being in prison doesn't make sense or staying there when there's an opportunity to leave doesn't make sense until you look back and see what God did. And so as we read these stories this week, is there an opportunity where we're just going about our life and we're doing what God's calling us to do and somebody around us is is interested? Are we engaging in their story to help them know who he is? Or maybe there's a situation that's troubling us that's disturbing to us that we're like, this is not right. I need to act. I need to engage in this story. What is the thing that God's putting on your heart that you need to do something? Or maybe you're in a situation where it would be very easy to just turn everything else off and focus on yourself. And if we're honest, it would be easier to just be selfish in this season or in this moment. And even though it might be hard, maybe we need God to help us And look for the small threads of the gospel that he's connecting. And maybe the way that we engage in this moment is just to stay faithful, stay the course. As you read these verses, maybe there's a story that sticks with you more than the others. Or maybe there's some questions that you have or things that you're wondering about. I encourage you to write those down and bring that on Sunday. And we'd love to talk about it. We hope that you guys are all having a great week this week. And we look forward to getting together on Sunday.